This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. You're obsessed with her, and you're obsessed with her daughter! Right, easy, Geraldo. And welcome back to Horror Queers. We're talking Chucky Gets Lucky, we're talking Martha Stewart, and we're talking Baby, Eat Your Heart Out. And I'm Joe. And I'm Trace, and we're talking rude fucking doll, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I can't imagine what it would be like to be stoned and see Chucky up to antics. It's really weird. Like, when I'm stoned, I'm not, like, hallucinating things. So I would, but maybe he had something that was a hallucinogen. Anyway, we're talking Bride of <laughs> Chucky, everybody. <laughs> yes, also known as the best entry. Do we want to say that right off the top? You know what? Here's the thing with this franchise. First of all, Joe, this is our return to the franchise after two years. Almost two years. I'm sorry. We did cover Seed of Chucky back in May of 2019. So I would recommend people go back and listen to that episode. Unfortunately, I did not revisit it today. So th- there is a chance we will repeat factoids from Seed of Chucky. I don't know. Potentially. Yeah. <laughs> they do pair well together, all things considered. Even though there's a huge time jump between the two of them. They really do but in terms of calling it the best so i think this is the best entry in the franchise but what i love about this franchise is i I, we probably discussed it in seat of chucky and i'll stop my disclaimer there but every like so you have the first three which i think work as their own thing like they're very similar to each other but then every entry from bride moving forward is so different and distinct Mm -hmm. that honestly i don't dislike any of these films i think my least favorite is the third one but i still like i I could still put it on and watch it and so whenever someone says oh this is my favorite entry i'm like "I, i i can totally see why like there is something so endearing about this entire franchise that i like all these movies Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that this is one of the most consistently diverse and entertaining franchises, and I'm very eager to revisit it. I am too, Joe, but I think we need some help, which is why we have a guest on this episode. Mm -hmm. All right, everyone, you may know her as one half of the Spinsters of Horror with her partner, Jessica, and together they co-host the horror podcast, I Spit on Your Podcast. She's also got bylines at Grimm Magazine and Morbidly Beautiful. Please welcome Kelly Gredner. Ah, clap applause hello i'm so excited to be here i'm fangirling out it is so nice to finally quote unquote meet you i feel like we've interacted so many times and it's nice to like i don't know like have like a well it's not face to face because we're not seeing each other but you know what i mean a human to human interaction 
and I am going to human? enjoy it. <laughs> Ooh, even better. Well, I'm really excited. I'll briefly say that I listened to the one of the episodes on the, the craft with Valeska. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and fantastic episode. And I was sitting on the subway on my commute to and from work and got to the very abrupt uh, mention of two in the pink, one in the stink, classic trace quote. And I started howling on the subway oh and I was like, this is why I love this podcast. <laughs> Lots of reasons, obviously, but I was like, trace you and I are like one of the same and I, love I enjoy it. it. <laughs> yeah. That's our bonding thing. I, I'm 100% <laughs> yes. here for it. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is it was just so like this abrupt super vulgar moment that i was not expecting i was like oh valeska's probably shaking her head right now this is so good <laughs> when, whenever we whenever if ever we meet in person we're, like, we're gonna be in a crowded room like at a film festival and we're yeah. just gonna both look at each other from across the room because we're gonna be on opposite sides obviously we're gonna point at each other and just scream two in the pink one in the stink like <laughs> 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 in unison <laughs> Exactly. And then what, and like be... Baby's Got Back is going to play on the soundtrack of this movie? <laughs> no, no. Th- then we run at each other in slow-mo, like rom-com style. Oh, yeah. I see. I see. <laughs> but pushing people out of the way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what we've confirmed is that you're both assholes and I'm here to class the joint up. Basically. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. I mean, yep. with the film we're talking about, I mean, this is a classy mm-hmm. film. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All of this talk is appropriate for this film. <laughs> exactly. I'm so happy to that this is the movie that I'm here for. Well, okay. So on that note, no. So you picked this movie, Kelly. Mm-hmm. What what made you pick this? What, what what do you? What's your relationship with Bride of Chucky? So as a goth teenager, when this came out in 1998, I fell in love with it because it's so fucking cool, right? It has this soundtrack of like Rob Zombie and White Zombie and I think Cold Chambers plays in some sometime in the background and I had the soundtrack. I own this on VHS. I loved this movie and it just like fit my aesthetic. I was just really into it and I have to say it's actually my favorite entry in the franchise. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So I've been a fan of it since it came out. Yeah. So uh, if you listen to one of the two audio commentaries on this disc, you will actually hear Don Mancini talk about why this film in part got made. And it was because of that very reason. The popularity of Chucky among the goth community apparently mm-hmm. helped to get this film, this film greenlit. Did that happen like between films? So like it happened after Child's Play 3? I don't know. He doesn't elaborate on it because there's nothing in my mind, about those first three films that scream, oh my god, goth madness with, you know. <laughs> Whereas, you know, I think from Bride of Chucky on, you can actually very much see it because there is a kind of counterculture, you know, subversive element. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just that Chucky is subversive. Maybe. What I would say to that is... You know, goths, although they look very spooky and like spooky things, often they actually like, and Tiffany is a prime example of that, like cute things. Like they would have dolls and like that would make sense. They probably would have doll heads attached to their backpacks going Mm -hmm. to high school or, you know, like nooses with dolls in them. I've had things like that as well. So, (laughs) you know, we may like the grotesque things, but also really enjoy cute things. Hence Mm -hmm. a house full of cats. So... (laughs) (laughs) This movie was actually, it's not really a formative film of my youth because I, so I had definitely seen the first 
No, actually, I've probably seen all the first three. No, not by this point, though. I don't know. When this came out, so this, it's, it's, sorry, I, I'm, I'm, like, trying to, like, rack my memory here. Bride of Chucky is one of the first trailers that I ever saw on a computer screen. Um, <laughs> it's a really weird anecdote, but, like, so basically, like, I remember I was, in, I was in elementary school, so I was nine years old when this came out, and we ha- didn't have a computer yet, so when I joined the, my elementary school newspaper and I was writing movie reviews, which, by the way, my movie reviews were just <laughs> plot synopses. I didn't understand. Understand. <laughs> I didn't understand what a movie review was, so I didn't know it was like, oh, did you like it or not? Because my child brain was like, oh, all movies are good. Like, movies can't be bad. <laughs> Wait, so your your first attempt at, like, movie criticism was basically just what a lot of film Twitter is now. Um, yes, or what Wikipedia <laughs> editors do. Like, I was basically Ooh, writing yes. the Wikipedia entries. I mean, my, my review of Pokemon, the first movie, was two pages long. <laughs> Oh, no. And then wow. this happens. And then this happens. And yes. then this happens. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. And I really but, liked it. Yeah. But basically, I, I didn't have a computer. And I guess even in 98, it was expected that you would have a computer. So I, I would turn in my reviews handwritten, which would really piss off my editor. Again, a fifth right. grader. But <laughs> so if I had to start using a typewriter. But then in, I guess, oh. fourth grade, so I was 10, we finally got a computer. It was Windows 98. And I remember my dad pulling up the trailer for this movie, and it was terrible. It was the horrible quality. Like, it was kind of like jump cutting around because our internet was like terrible. It's dial up internet. Dial up, baby. But it just so, I just remember for some reason, I associate Bride of Chucky with my very first desktop. I'm sorry, my family's first desktop computer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because they were so expensive. You could only have one in the house, and it was yeah. often like in a living room or a public domain. So you're yeah. just like, how can I look at the things I want to look at without getting <laughs> caught by the rest of my family? <laughs> so yeah, the image of Chucky is standing with all the bubbles floating around him was like it's like a very striking image in my youth because I saw it on a shitty ass Windows ninety eight computer screen when I was nine years old. Nice, amazing. I'm having flashbacks to our swim fan episode. <laughs> she's like looking at primitive internet where she's just doing all of these bananas things. And I'm picturing like Junior Trace dressed out in full gumshoe. Like you've got the reporter hat and the notepad and maybe a trench coat. And you're like, I'm going to look at this new trailer and I'm going to write five pages about it. <laughs> I would like to read said reviews. You should post that. Um, I don't. I don't know where the fuck they are, but I mean, actually, well, they're all gone. They're handwritten by this point. No, my mom actually probably has it because my mom would always save our school stuff in a box and put in the attic. So I'm sure they are there somewhere. Um, But I don't think I would like the uh, the quality of the writing. (laughs) I don't think I want you going up into an attic or your mom. That's not okay. Joe, do you have? When did you did you see this in theaters? Is this one of those for you? I did. I saw this in theaters because this is during the Scream Renaissance, baby. So I was seeing literally every slasher that was coming across the silver screen. So I definitely went to see this. I did not have a relationship with Chucky because I had not seen any of the previous films. So I didn't know that this film was the first really comedic entry in the franchise. I thought that this is what all of the Chucky films were like. (laughs) (laughs) Self-aware, referential... 
guess who was shocked to find out that those first three films were pretty straightforward i mean yeah we say that with a concession right because chucky has always been funny it's just yeah. it varies from mean to full well, camp the tone yes. of the films were not comedic chucky right. was comedic mm-hmm. but the films themselves were not there we go no. whereas this film is a hoot and a half and <laughs> you know we talked about it in seat of chucky but that film is like full-on like comedy parody like it's mm-hmm. not scary I no. do think this one blends the horror and the comedy. I mean, sorry, granted, that Seed of Chucky's trying to do that, which, you know, it, it's successful. Your mileage may vary. I think this one blends horror and comedy very well, but I always see from, I mean, again, I'm saying franchise purists, even though, like, the first three films aren't even the majority of the franchise now. But they're like, oh, yeah, Bride of Chucky is when I just started getting stupid. And I was like, see... When I think, when I call something stupid, it's when it's like, it doesn't know it's stupid. Like, this movie mm-hmm. is intentionally funny, and you grade it on those merits. If you look at this, and you're like, well, it's not like the first three, you're an idiot. Well, if you, <laughs> if you just leave it at that and say, this is yep. very different, like, this is a departure for the franchise, yes, then absolutely. If you say, this is where they start to get stupid, this is where I say, mm, no, this is just where the franchise starts to take a corner that you may not like. Absolutely. And it's also like, you know, the first three films, Andy Barclay is your protagonist. Chucky is an antagonist and a secondary character. This is the first film. I I guess you could argue he's actually a secondary character in this movie, too, because the true star of this film is Mm, Jennifer mm, Tilly's mm, Tiffany. mm, mm, mm. (laughs) I think for a lot of people from here on out, that's one of the reasons why these later entries work so well is because Chucky not only becomes the star, but he's got someone to play off of. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about this then. I mean, th- there's not a lot of production notes for this, but I mean, obviously, it's a bit surprising that we even got this film because Child's Play 3, which Don Mancini has even said on his own, he's like, I ran out of ideas. Like, I think that movie came out nine months after Child's Play 2. Oh. It was a critical... Yeah, basically, they were like, hey, give us another one because 2 was successful, like, financially. Yeah, they just keep making money, and it's the 80s, yeah. so please continue to give us more slashers. It is the 90s. <laughs> oh, right. Right! <laughs> well, they're, they're oh, my that God! <laughs> I forget that all the time. And I was like, Chucky was a, you know, horror villain of the 80s. No, he was not. He was not. He's really a villain of the 90s. Yeah, because Child's Play, the first one, came out in 88. But then the second one was November of 90. And then the third Mm -hmm. one is August of 91. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's he's nearly there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) well... It's a turn of a decade, right? It's like, okay, well, 1990 is like still the 80s, technically. (laughs) When you're producing the film, yeah. I mean, they were filming a lot of this still in the 80s. Very fair. Well, so basically the the third one makes about $15 million domestically. Like it's, I don't think it's a flop, but it's definitely a disappointment. It makes about half of what the second one made because the second one made about $28 million. Yeah. So after the, re- the release of that third one, um, Don Mancini and producer David Kirshner, um, who, um, again, previous, uh, I'm sorry, Horror Quiz alumni, because he not only produced Seed of Chucky, but he also produced Hocus Pocus. They decided that the series required a new direction and decided against returning the character of Andy Barclay, which I think that was a point of contention with some viewers. Right. Yeah. Although I- I'm fine with it. Work on the film began in 96, inspired by the release of... Joe, you pointed it out, Scream, and I Know What You Did Last Summer. And mm-hmm. I do think that we talk about post-Scream slashers. I, 
always forget that Bride of Chucky technically is a post-scream slasher, but I think I forget it because it's a sequel. So many of the rest of them feel like, oh, we're trying to start something new, like we're really kickstarting a movement, whereas Chucky's like, hey, I'm still relevant. I'm going to try to make a comeback. Mm -hmm. So to direct this film, they decide on Ronnie Yu. Now, this is Ronnie Yu's second American film, his first one being the critical and commercial flop Warriors of Virtue, which is a family film that I don't know if y'all have ever seen it. Never even heard of it. Never heard of it. (laughs) Um, I remember seeing commercials for it because this would have been marketed towards me in the 90s. And um, (laughs) it's... I, I haven't seen it because I was like, those puppet things look weird. I don't want to see that in my face. So You don't it, like puppets? There's puppets? No. Uh, it's not what? like, it, it, it's like... Um, oh, oh, these are God. like rabbits. Yeah, I don't know what you would call what? I don't know what they are. <laughs> oh. But oh, it's I one, definitely feel like I've seen these action figures, though. So it's notorious for being one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. Wow. Okay. But then he gets wow. Bride of Chucky. <laughs> right. Wow. Well, well done. So, I mean, he is he's a Chinese director. He's done a lot of films for China, but his big calling car was a movie called The Bride with White, White Hair. Mm-hmm. And that's what got him this job, because Kirshner and Mancini had seen the film, and they were like, holy fuck, like, let's let him do this. And he agreed to do it in exchange for great, greater creative free freedom and the ability to hire his collaborators, Peter Pao and David Wu from Hong Kong. So Peter Pao is his cinematographer. David Wu is his editor. I mean, good choice because the film nice. looks great and it's got an incredibly distinctive visual style. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is interesting, right? Like this film actually, yeah, you're right. It has a style to it. And this isn't to say that the, the rest of the films don't, but this one feels more stylized than any mm-hmm. of the other entries for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like I was watching this and it reminded me of the kind of directorial exercises that we saw in What Lies Beneath, where it's like, let's fuck around with the camera. Let's shoot from unusual angles. Let's make it more challenging than you would normally expect it to be so that we can get something different and unique on the screen. Yeah. And so basically that happens. And then they bring on Jennifer Tilly because of her role in Bound. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Still haven't seen that. I don't know why what? I have not. Kelly, I know. I am not trying to gatekeep you, but I you know. need to drop everything and watch gatekeeping that movie. myself. <laughs> yes, you are because um <laughs> lady, you are going to enjoy a lot of that movie. I'm sure I will. The dirty bits is what I'm talking about, people. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why Joe's giving you shit. He only saw it recently two years ago. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> recently two years ago. This is how we're defining time now. <laughs> I'm sorry, a year and a half ago. Okay, we'll cut it at that. But it's fine. But yes, co-signed that it's really good. So obviously Tiffany injects a significant spark into this, which we'll talk about when we get into the film itself. So let's just go into this film getting released. It is released October 16th, 1998. And it grosses $11.8 million on its opening weekend. Now, this is against a budget of $25 million, which I say kudos, Universal. You spent $25 million on this movie. But then you find out how much they had to pay just for the dolls alone. And you realize, oh, okay, yeah, it's horror just starts to make sense. (laughs) Do you have that amount, by the way? Uh, yes, it's anywhere between 1 million and 2 million. They kind of oh. toggle back and forth. Wow. I think they settle on 2 million during, again, Don Mancini's um, audio commentary. Yeah. So it winds up grossing 32.4 million in the States and 18.3 million overseas for a worldwide gross of $50.7 million. So uh, honestly, I mean, because I, I don't think studios were really looking at international grosses that much 
like back then. Not to the same degree, no. And so this isn't, again, not a flop, but I wouldn't call this a financial success, which surprised me. Yeah, I remember thinking it had a decent initial first weekend. Like, it, it's not great, but it's also not terrible, but it doesn't have the kind of legs that you need to keep a franchise going. Well, to anyone who is into the movie Practical Magic, which apparently is a lot of people these days, uh, mm-hmm. Bride of Chucky mm-hmm. was beaten yep. its opening weekend by Practical Magic, which which also opened the same weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, because this is <laughs> October, right? October 98. Yeah. So, um, critics, it was kind of split. Um, big improvements over the reception of 2 and 3, because while people adore 2, um, critics did not like it, and they really hated 3. <laughs> this film has a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes, with an average score of 5.5 out of 10. And then we are looking at a letterbox score of 5.6 out of 10. Although audiences liked it, they gave it a cinema score of a B when, when it was in theaters, so there's Which- that did surprise me to be honest i think that this is a crowd pleasing kind of film but i also didn't expect it to get a warm reception after so many years on the shelf Mm -hmm. Mm. and yes that was a dull joke (laughs) question for (laughs) i get it (laughs) question for both of you so uh, you can see the scream influences here with how self-aware the film is i always say meta can go one of two ways it can work or, I'm sorry, or it can't work. There you go. That's my philosophy. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the two. It's a bit of a dichotomy. Yeah. No, but it can be like cringy where it's like, oof, like, it's just yeah. like, that's, bleh, that doesn't They're really work. They're trying so fucking hard and you're like, yes. no, we get it. We get it. Yes. Uh, full disclosure. Honestly, everything here works for me. I think almost every meta joke, even the whole like, oh, if my story was a, was a movie, it would take three to four sequels <laughs> just to do it. I think that's fantastic. I don't give a shit. Does it work for y'all? Yes. I was going to say that was kind of the one standout where I thought, eh, that's just a little too much. But it's it's cheeky, but I think some of the other jokes are a little bit better. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I could totally see why one would feel that way, Joe, in that it is like it's a, it's a little heavy handed, but I agree on the cheekiness. I, mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious because it's coming from Chucky. I feel like all of this is coming from these, you know, creepy little dolls. Yes. And not fully from like the human characters. So I, I just appreciate that so much because besides um, the uh, when Damien says he's like, oh, Chucky is so 80s. He's not even scary. And she's like, yes, he is. Yes, he is. So it's like that one part. But uh, I, I I love that because it has been a good enough. How many years was it between three and this one? It was seven years. That's yeah, that's a long time. So I feel mm-hmm. like that kind of like that punch in the face to remind you of like, yeah, we're still relevant. We get it that it was seven years that I just, it works for me. Absolutely. That's kind of what this franchise does though. So yeah, it's a a seven year gap between three and four. I think it's a seven year gap between bride and seed. And then I think it's Uh, six, Wow, six. Okay. And then I think it's eight, maybe seven years between seed and curse. And then Mm. a slightly shorter gap between curse and cult because this franchise likes to continually reinvent itself, which Mm -hmm. yes, Mm -hmm. I mean, granted when you see the box office numbers for bride and seed, it's understandable that curse and cult went straight to DVD, but I do love, and again, your mileage may vary with cult, but I think the overall consensus consensus is that curse is a, one of the stronger entries in the franchise and Mm -hmm. just, Despite being direct to video mm-hmm. and despite having a clearly limited budget, mm-hmm. it's still a really good film. And it was fun to trace some of the callbacks in that film that I had forgotten about that show up here, like the uh, newlywed death sequence that we get we get a kind of homage to that in the later film. Mm-hmm. 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 
the falling glass. It's good. Oh, that, yes. <laughs> I, I have a note that is literally just in all caps, this shot. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, there, there's a lot of, oh, my God, this shot in this movie in yeah. particular. <laughs> and I think that, honest, I don't think that critics really appreciated that at the time. There were a lot of like, mm. oh, it's fun because it, it, it's aware that it's stupid. But it was not taking into account any of the style that went into this film, which I think is a real shame. Yeah, like this movie could be called Split Diopter the movie. Oh my god. Are, <laughs> I mess Kelly, I messaged Joe during this and I was like, there are so many split diopter shots in this. <laughs> I don't even know what is what that is. What is a okay. what is that? So you know when you're watching a movie and there's something that's close to the screen and something that's far away and one of yes. them is in focus and then they'll like yes. kind of switch focus. A split diopter is when both of the things are in focus. So there's like a, like a basically a blur line between them because they have to do something to make. So the, like the the example in this film is the scene when Tiffany is like facing the camera. She realizes that Chucky like wasn't going to propose to her, and she's like, "You haven't changed." Oh, yes. Tilly is in focus, but as is Chucky, who is right behind her, but he's like right. feet behind her. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There's. Many of those. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where when you start to notice them, you're like, holy shit, they're all over the place in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If comment technique of Brian De Palma, uh, Karin Kusama uses it a lot in Jennifer's body as well. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's kick this movie off, Joe. All right. So after police officer Robert Bailey, who is played by Vince Carraza, and everybody, where's Vince Carraza from? Okay. Well, I mean, I, I. I... I'm a, I think you're saying Urban Legend? I don't know. Yeah, he's David Egan from Urban Legend. So he is wait. Rebecca Gayhart's dead boyfriend in oh! Urban Legend. Wait, his name is David Egan in Urban Legend? I think so. That's David, I know what you did last summer. Yeah, David Egan is I know what you did last summer. Shit, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, thank you. <laughs> I was like, no, come on. I was like, maybe they have the same name. How funny would that be? Wait, yeah, maybe it's an homage. Brenda Bates, boyfriend, urban legend. Oh, you're going I think his name way. is I'm David, but I don't know his last name. Um, Hold on. Boy... David Evans. His name was David Evans in Urban Legend. So you're close. You're oh, close. I apologize for fucking that one up. Because apparently I'm one letter off. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just imagining, though, all the little queers that are like, uh, Joe, David Egan is from I Know What You Did Last Summer, obviously. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, with, a, with a little tongue pop and a little leg kick. Like, uh, girl, <laughs> you gotta know your David Egan's. Don't at me with this shit. So yes, he is in Urban Legend in a photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hysterical. But it is very funny that we have done back-to-back Canadian filmed productions. So when we did the... Oh my god, I've already forgotten because that movie was so fucking boring. When we did The Skulls, the skulls. <laughs> last week, and it was filmed in Toronto, and we had a bunch of Canadian actors in Canadian locations, and then this one, which was also filmed in Toronto, and has a bunch of motherfucking Canadians. No, actually, this might have been filmed in... No, Coast, it was. But... Th- th- nope, this is filmed in Toronto. There we go. Okay, phew. <laughs> no, be, be, because also, sorry, I, 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 so I, I put this on Twitter today. Listeners, if you have not listened to the commentary on Bride or Seed of Chucky, um, the one on Bride has Don Mancini, Jennifer Tilly, and Brad Dorif, and the Seed oh one has God. Jennifer Tilly and Don Mancini. They are 
hoots. They are so mm-hmm. fun to listen to. It, it, it's like you're in a room drinking with them, watching the movie with them. It's so pleasing. Yeah, they're they're really, really fun commentaries. And it really gives you some insight into the nature of the relationship between Don Mancini and Jennifer Tilly. And if you follow either one of them on social media, you will see how frequently they interact with the other. And they're taking mm-hmm. like pot shots at one another. They are thick as thieves. The relationship is genuine. And you can see why Jennifer Tilly becomes such an integral part of the franchise. It it also like because Tilly, I mean, again, like it's fun and it's fluffy, but it's also like, like you can see how seriously Tilly took the role, and I think that's something that mm-hmm. especially critics overlooked at the time, where they were like, "Oh wow, she's really slumming it. Like she's yeah. an Academy Award nominee, she's done Bound, and now she's doing this shitty ass slasher movie." Yep. But it's like, hey, she put in the work, <sighs> and it, it's so again just endearing to listen to her talk about working with Ronnie even the part where she's like there's a part where he, she's like oh yeah he, he would take me in every day and show me the storyboards of the scenes like I don't really need to know this but thank you it helps inform my character <laughs> <laughs> that's adorable yeah she was trying to she was trying to bring a lot to this character and this performance like she was only on set physically for two weeks before they obviously ice her off and she's Mm -hmm. then just doing voice work but you know she was really interested in trying to develop a rapport with um brad duriff and making contributions like where she could to the production and i think a consummate professional but b it's like you didn't have to go that hard. Like people mm-hmm. wouldn't have expected this from you because it is low rent bride of Chucky. But I think it proves that people realize they had a good product here. I agree. Yes. So we've got this police officer and we see him stealing a bag out of evidence. And of course we get uh, gentle riffs on <gasps> some other iconic figures from horror yes. lore. <laughs> so good. It's already like, it already starts with the, the references and I'm here for it. Right? Yeah. It, I mean, <laughs> the Jason mask in, in the evidence locker looks really bad. But <laughs> it yeah, almost makes yeah. me wonder if they, like, couldn't get the rights to it. So they're like, oh, we're just going to get a hockey mask and everyone will know what we're doing. I mean, I don't think there is a trademarked Jason hockey mask. Just this one looks way too white. It's mm. brand new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's never been used in a murder before, clearly. No. I will also um, shout out to Graham Revel's score for this, because I think even from the beginning, like, I think it's a really, really good score throughout the film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Robert Bailey meets up with uh, Tiffany. Well, he doesn't so much as meet up with her as she meets up with him and his neck. So Jennifer Mm -hmm. Tilly, as Tiffany slits his throat, she takes the bag of evidence and she returns to her dull stuffed trailer park to the strains of Rob Zombie's living dead girl. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Before before we get to zombie, hold on. So I do... (laughs) A, I love that the first thing we get from Tiffany is just her voice. We don't see her first. We hear her first on that phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also love, I always thought this is the funniest thing. Like when she picks up the lighter and she just goes, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> She's so bubblegum, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What I would say is this scene mm-hmm. as a teenager, burgeoning <laughs> sexuality mm-hmm. um, is iconic. That oh, yeah. outfit, the nails, the yes. hair, the st- like almost stiletto shoes, the fishnets, and she's filing her fucking nails with a bloody nail file. Mm-hmm. And then she walks out to Living Dead Girl. Are you yes. kidding me? And it's then fantastic. Bride of Chucky. It was like, oh, oh, oh. 
Hmm. So good. This is probably the first Rob Zombie song I ever heard. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so Kelly, Joe, and I talk about this a lot, but I don't know music very well. And so a lot of the music that I know is solely from, oh, yeah, that's that movie from that movie. So mm. if you told me, oh, yeah, you've heard Rob Zombie's Living Dead, girl, I'd be like, I don't know what, no, I don't know what the <laughs> fuck that means. <laughs> but if you played it for me, I'd be like, oh, that's that song from the opening credits of Bride of Chucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. It's basically yep. this one in Dragula got a shit ton of airplay, but also within movies. Like, they were very popular when it's like, oh, do you want a banger to kick off this action sequence? <laughs> it's like, here's a Rob Zombie. Yep. Some kind of metalcore song from, from the late 90s, 2000s. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, it's better than a lot of the new metal we were getting in the aughts. Oh, my God. Oh, the new metal. <laughs> I know some people love it, but whoo. Boy, that is a time capsule. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I know for a lot of people, they're going to be like, no, it's not. It's still happening. I also, I'm a sucker for the, the, the main title, like, franchise recap, but it's not something lazy like <clears throat> Friday the 13th. Ugh. Oh, wow. It's giving us, like, you know, newspaper clippings as we're watching her sew up the doll, which I think mm-hmm. is just such a fun, creative way to do it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, mm-hmm. And it's also more entertaining to watch than something like Halloween H2O, which we covered on the Patreon. But, like, that one, you're literally just watching the camera go across newspaper headlines on a yeah. wall, whereas here you're yeah. like, oh, okay, they're interspersed with actual character work because we see her and how she's handling this doll and then of course it ends with this fucking hero's entrance pov shot of a triumphant looking chucky who is he will be Um, voiced by brad duraf and it's like bam movie has now begun i do have a question though how did one of the chicago newspapers have a picture of his corpse on the front page (laughs) of their paper good question like, you know, that's back in the reporter. late 80s, uh, it wasn't as hard to slip things by the censors, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. One more question for y'all. So I, you know, trailers have a certain connotation <gasps> to them. Um, people think they're trashy. That's where we get the maybe not fair term trailer trash. That being said, I would live in this trailer. Oh, my God. Yes. I love this trailer so much. <laughs> I love this trailer so much. She's living like my absolute gothy spinster <laughs> dream life. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish trailers looked like that. I almost <laughs> want to design and go live in a trailer by a river with my cats. I'll have a little catio. That'll make sense. And <laughs> I want this. I'll say this throughout this entire episode, just how much the costume design, yes. production design, everything in this movie, it's just like, besides being my aesthetic, it's just, it's so fucking good and of well, its time. And some yeah. Jennifer Tilly keeps talking about how, in the commentary how small the trailer was. And I was like, the way that this is shot, it looks massive. Yeah. <laughs> Like she has a full-on bathtub in a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> the thing feels like a palace. I know. <laughs> I'm wondering if the bathtub was a separate, like the bathroom oh, was a separate set. I think so. Oh, I'm yes. sure. But yeah. like, yeah, everything that's like right in the doorway, like where like when Damien first walks in, like, yeah, that's all the trailer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, the bath, the bathroom has to be an extra set. <laughs> She's got a little add-on in the back, right? Yeah. This is my boudoir, and this is my bathroom. Yeah. No, this is all fantastic, and it's such a great, exciting way to begin this movie. And then I remember 1998 me is like, awesome, this is so exciting. And then we are introduced to a parallel story that is unfolding at the same time, and I thought... 
what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, wah, wah. Things become well, very beige. <laughs> I think I think that's maybe the only downfall to not including Andy is that they have to introduce us to new characters. We yes. don't have the yeah. relationship with Jade and Jesse. A pre-Roswell Captain Heigl, holy shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. What? Oh, that's what I was going to say earlier, too. It's interesting because, you know, yeah, they're, they're acting like Tilly is acting in this movie for the first 30 minutes. And then it's just voice work. So really, two thirds of this movie's filming. It's just Catherine Heigl and Nick Stabile with dolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heavy as fuck dolls. Yep. Well, yeah. you think because I, I, thinking about it, I'm like, oh, well, like Jennifer Tilly and Brad Dorf are there. No, they are not. <laughs> <laughs> because they're giving you such a performance with this voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That it makes it feel like they are constantly there. And then, yeah, you realize, nope, this is just a couple of barely 20-something actors carrying around these dolls for the majority mm-hmm. of the film. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> good luck, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with that said, I've actually come around to the teen storyline a lot more. Every time I watch this film, I understand how important it is and what they're actually contributing. I think mm-hmm. part of it is just they are not exciting compared to what is happening whenever we see Tiffany and Chucky together. And it feels, yep. I think, as you said, Kelly, it's very wah wah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's also like, okay, and this is no offense to Heigl or Stabile, because I think they're doing what they can with what Mancini has written for them. Oh, sure. But there, yeah. there is an energy in the Chucky Tiffany scenes that yes. you are not getting from no. the Jade yeah. and Jesse scenes. And I, I don't know if there's a way to make it better unless you also have Jade and Jesse be like criminals. Hmm. Like, yeah. I, I do wonder if making them quote unquote good guys is like kind of the dull factor there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so, but I think you have to have it in order to have Tiffany's arc work throughout the course of this film. Right, for sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because they have to represent this perfect love, and unfortunately, it's like dull protagonist syndrome times two. Because mm-hmm. who cares about kids who are in love? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. where's the conflict? Oh, wait, it's with Tiffany and Chucky over here, and my eyes slowly shift over to where the action is. But you yeah. know who is giving us energy is. Uh, John Ritter. Yes, oh yeah, God. I think that's, <laughs> yeah. he's making up for that kind of lack yeah. in this storyline for a good portion of it. Oh, he knows exactly what kind of movie he's in. Uh, whereas 19-year-old Catherine Heigl and 28-year-old Nick Stabile <laughs> are oh just with their, with their characters. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we are, we are not actually introduced to them off the top. We are introduced... The very first, like, teenage human being that we meet in this film is Gordon Michael Wolvett. And I have an interesting relationship with David because it was very weird to see a out gay man Mm -hmm. in a slasher film in 1998. And I know that I'm not alone in this regard. Like, I think a lot of people... I don't know that David is the most fleshed out queer character I've ever seen, but to see someone in a Hollywood film that was on all of the multiplex screens and have this kid actually talk about, oh yeah, you know, I had a love once and I wrote him a letter and his mom found it and then I can't see him anymore. Like there's character work that again, didn't need to be here that I think is a vitally important for like queer characterization. Well, that's no, because for me, David isn't even a secondary character. He's a tertiary character. So he's like the Mm -hmm. third rung of the ladder, but And again, not a knock, because you don't need to make this character any more prevalent than he is. But you're right. Like, they give... Mancini injects lines, which you... They're not even throwaway lines. They are character building. And 
I will confess, when I first saw this movie, I mean, again, I was I was a preteen probably because this movie used to air on USA Network all the time. <laughs> and I don't think I ever caught on that David was gay until we get that line from Katherine Heigl. Because the joke of his first scene is that he's clearly gay <laughs> with his orchid. I do think, and I don't know if either one of y'all disagree, like, it's a little like, oh, stereotypical gay guy, he really knows about flowers, and I feel yeah. like if it wasn't Mancini writing it, I would maybe bat, like raise my eyebrow a little bit more at it, but it's interesting when, again, when we talk about our Happy Death Day episode, how Christopher Landon, like, had pushback from studio execs about including gay characters in his horror movies, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued to know if Universal gave him similar pushback with this. I don't think that was the case because it seems like this movie they were like do whatever the fuck you want maybe yeah i mean the the prevalence of the character you i recognize that you're saying he feels tertiary but at the same time this is a character that does get a relatively decent amount of screen time Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. movie and it's like you didn't have to make him gay and i think that that's don mancini actively saying this franchise is now queer and i am a gay man and i'm gonna start putting my perspective into these films I do wonder if that's also something where, like, people that say, oh, this is when the movie started getting stupid. If it's, like, homo- like people's latent homophobia that's coming out. Mm. Like, it, yeah, it, it, this movie is getting noticeably more queer mm-hmm. just by the David character and, of course, by Queen Tiffany. Yes. And I just wonder if, yeah, it's, like, it's unstraightening this mm. <sighs> property that people had an attachment to in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think even like the inclusion of Alexis Arquette, um, mm-hmm. the kind of counterculture mm-hmm. elements in here. Like, if you think about it, we just spent a substantial amount of time talking about how boring the quote unquote <laughs> normal characters in this movie are. Like, everything that is deviant about this movie is what makes it enjoyable. And that's mm-hmm. all the queer shit, baby. Yep. Yeah. 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 Because how old would you have been when this came out, Joe? 98. I would have been 16. Okay. And see, though, but so I imagine for you, like, yeah, like that that must have been nice to see. Because, I mean, did you know you were gay at 16? I had a lot of questions, Mm -hmm. but nothing I was willing to fess up to. So it was very much, it was an interesting relationship where I thought, oh, I don't like him. Who's this weird kid? You know, he he seems off and different. Why is he talking about liking boys? And then in hindsight, it's like, oh, no, that was my inner homophobia being like, you're not like him. Oh, wait, look in the mirror, frosted tips. I bet that I had that motherfucking hair back in 98. <laughs> I always did have a, I mean, not always, but I, I did have a little crush on him. Like, it sure, wasn't like Elijah, cute. it wasn't Elijah Horrible. Wood levels of crush, but it was very much like, oh yeah, he's, he's super cute. Mm-hmm. I like David. I like yeah. David. He, he, he gets, he gets a rough death, but I like David. Oh my God, they uh, killed this boy off real good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, real hard, real good. Okay, but first, we've got to meet these other characters. So he is at this house to pick up Jade Kincaid. Oh my god, Mancini. Wow. Oh my god. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I love it. It's ridiculous and over the top. So he is there to pick her up for, I assume, prom, because that's why he has a corsage for her. <laughs> and she is being kept under the watchful eye of her overprotective uncle, who is Chief Warren Kincaid, played by John Ritter. And John Ritter looks like he is either on 
he is on something on this movie because he looks like he's about to eat the set. He's having so much fun. Oh, I was like, what do you mean? Like, what drug are you implying that he's on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like it, his performance is very excited and I love the energy that he's bringing. I mean, I think mm-hmm. also, you know, how often do you see John Ritter as a villain? Like he's coming. Okay, so there yeah. is another set of films that involves a redheaded bastard uh, that John Ritter was in called Problem Child. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I wonder after the second Problem Child, he's like, oh, my God, like, yes, give me this. I will chew this scenery happily. <laughs> also, I will bring up the episode of Ted in season two of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. He yes. plays robot Ted, and he was so good. I got such Ted vibes from this movie mm-hmm. from him. That would have been right around now. Oh, actually, no. Sorry, it, it aired the year before, December of 97. Okay, there you go. Good mm-hmm. pickup, Kelly. I got it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so <laughs> needless to say, Chief Warren Kincaid is skeptical of david and yet he lets jade leave and in the car it is revealed that jade's real boyfriend is jesse played by nick stabile he pops up in the back seat but they don't get very far because they are stopped by officer needle nose who is played by michael louis johnson i definitely just wanted to write needle dick in my notes the whole time <laughs> i mean he probably has one he looks like someone who have a needle dick but what Gosh. what is a needle dick uh just pointy very long and skinny small okay so it's like the opposite of a chode. I guess. I mean, haven't heard the word chode in quite some time. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's taking me back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one's straight back to the 90s, good sir. <laughs> well, it was my 2000s. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are from different decades. so There you yep. go. <laughs> so I'm actually, I'm cutting ahead, if only because there's very briefly another scene with all of this where Chief Warren does arrive. Yeah, it's very wet. He's like, blah, I'm abusing my well, police authority and I'm not going to let you guys date. And the editing is interesting here. The editing is weird because mm-hmm. we, we get them getting pulled over first. Then we cut back to Tiffany doing the mm-hmm. spell and then we get like a, a little bit of stuff with her and Damien. Then we go back to the kids. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then we go back to them. So it's clearly like the editor was like, oh, my God, these kids are so boring. We need to like put something in here. <laughs> yeah, we need to keep it moving along. Because normally yes. it would be, okay, we get the kids, we get that, then we go back to Tiffany. Like, that's normally what would happen. Yeah, because yeah. the first time you're watching this, you have no idea what the relationship is with any of these other storylines. Like, how yeah. will these two intersect? <laughs> the answer is neighbors. But on <laughs> Tiffany's note, and I know people always talk about it, I love the voodoo for dummies gag. I love oh, her. Oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait. <laughs> like put that I was gonna say put it with the muck a muck a muck yeah <laughs> also I'm gonna point out that by this point when she is reading voodoo for dummies she's in a new outfit and we're on to number three already in this oh short time frame <laughs> just saying there's more times that I've made notes of them <laughs> and I am here for it everything it's no secret Tilly looks Ugh. fantastic in this movie. Like, I know she's supposed to be, again, quote unquote, white trash, trailer trash, but she looks so fucking good in this movie. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Everything is on point. That trailer, her nails, her makeup, these mm-hmm. outfits. Again. Jewelry. Oh, oh, my goodness. She looks like a pinup model, like a Betty Page kind of pinup. Absolutely. Right? 
Yep. Yeah. 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 That's uh, good stuff. Yeah. So we did mention that uh, she performs the ceremony. <laughs> and then, of course, she has a boy toy who she doesn't seem to care for very much, played by Alexis Arquette. And they engage in some light bondage. And at this point, this is where we learn that, of course, Chucky has come back and he smothers Damien alive with a Okay. Pillow. One bit of nostalgia. So I did not know what a menage a trois was when I saw this film. I did know what sex was. So I remember because my dad gave me when he gave me the talk, he was like, so if you have any questions, you can always ask me. So the two big questions that I asked were, um, what was masturbation? Because I heard it in an Oprah episode. And two was, I asked my dad, what's a menage a trois? (laughs) And he was like, where did you hear that? And I was like, so Bride of Chucky was on TV. You're like, I was on the family computer writing my movie reviews and... <laughs> yeah, my, my fifth grade review of Bride of Chucky, which is a plot summary of this movie. Oh but gosh. I will also say that the lip piercing rip on Alexis Arquette Oof. hurts Oof. my eyes. Yes. Oh, it does. I always cringe. Also, outfit number four. Oh my god! <laughs> I have to say, as a woman watching this movie and as a teenager, teen woman teen girl watching this movie mm-hmm. when it came out i fully appreciate i still so fucking rep- appreciate this now is seeing a more full-figured woman in mm-hmm. this kind of sexy uh sexy dominant self-assured role was really really excellent so her in her corset and fishnets yes. in outfit number four was very hot very hmm. I liked it too that she apparently had a no nudity clause and yeah. the original script had this be a full strip tease. So they thought they weren't going to be able to get her because she would say, no, I'm not doing this because mm-hmm. she had just mm-hmm. done Bound, which has a lot of nudity in it. And mm-hmm. she was like, no, it's fine. I'm just going to do a strip tease with gloves instead. Oh, I think because yeah. of Bound, you're just like, I mean, that's the best. It's it's like the best way to like they're gonna capture my naked body. No other film is going to capture it as well as Bound does. So mm-hmm. <laughs> right, no more nudity. Fair enough. Fair. Or you're just yeah. like I'm tired of taking my clothes off for roles. Also true. That's fair. Uh, I will also quickly say on behalf of everyone who speaks French, it is not la petite morte. It is <laughs> la petite morte. The e yeah. is not hard. Oh no. shit! I've been saying oh. that wrong in all of my sexual encounters. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's actually how I initiate sex all the time. Do you know what, <laughs> what the French call an orgasm? <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't roll off the tongue on Grinder, though, does it? <laughs> I do wonder. I, I don't think it was probably intentional, but I wonder if that was an intentional joke to be like, oh, wow, this guy's an idiot. He is I mean, idiot. a little bit. I will say I appreciate so much the visual gag when Tilly is in the bathtub and she sees the image of what he looks like normally so oh, you got yeah. Damien yeah as yeah. like a very straight looking kind of IT guy <laughs> well because they wanted to um they well, they wanted Marilyn Manson for that role <laughs> yes and yes, he wouldn't yeah. do it so yeah I mean because that's that the whole thing Marilyn Manson looks so different <laughs> without his mm-hmm. face on <laughs> Yes. Exactly. It's a wonder they didn't get sued, to be honest. Oh, God. I have to do a little shout out to Chucky when he's like, it's not the size that matters, it's how you use it. And it's like, mm-hmm. here we are. Chucky is here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's, again, little, little like, quote things, too. Like, whenever he's grabbing Tilly's boobs and they walk away, and she's like, stop it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> I do love that the dick is joke so is actually foreshadowing the thing that'll end up getting them into trouble in the RV later, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
So Damien has been handled, and now we can get some quality time between Tiffany and Chucky. They reminisce about the old days. She talks about how she envisioned them getting married, and he's like, wait, what are you talking about? And it's revealed that the <laughs> ring she thought he was going to propose was actually just like a murder token that he was going to pawn. <laughs> and she gets real mad, so she dumps him in a crib and locks him in, and then she cries herself to sleep next to Ooh. Damien's corpse. We didn't really mention the timeline here, but this is supposedly taking place a month after Child's Play 3. So, <laughs> But again, like Child's Play 3 takes place like, oh God, like however many years after the second one because Andy's mm-hmm. all grown up now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, because she says like 10, she's been looking for him for like 10 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's like, girl, how good was the D? Move on with a body like that. And little character beats too. You know, she has the line that's like, I'll sleep with anybody, but I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh my God. I'll kill anybody, <laughs> but I'll only sleep with someone I love. Yeah. <laughs> only kill someone I love. <laughs> and all, all of her little mother-isms. Like, it wouldn't probably be as useful if they didn't pay off later. Yeah. But it really does tie into this character. Like, Tiffany is a psychopath. Or, mm. Oh, sure. And, Yeah, Yeah, like she's a murderer. But she has this empathetic quality to her that's just like, oh, I really want to see you make it. (laughs) I know. You want good things for her because she's so fucking adorable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's oozing with like charisma and femininity, but also she will cut a bitch. And I just love that so much. And their their dynamic is immediately fantastic. Like the Mm -hmm. interplay between her and the doll and Tilly's like, you know, mannerisms and everything uh, brad duras i mean brad duraf is he's fucking great in this role <sighs> so Always good. Has been. So good. i don't use the phrase lightning in a bottle much but yeah their chemistry is just mm-hmm. wonderful and again like they're they're fucking voice acting <laughs> again yeah. not, not that that's a bad thing <laughs> but like they're not they're not together i may, maybe they did record together i don't really know the logistics of that but um mm-hmm. oh it's so good mm-hmm. yep mm-hmm. So the next morning, Tiffany requests the help of her neighbor. And this is when we get the reveal that Jesse lives in the trailer next to her. And uh, Trace, did this trunk make you think of anything? Oh, my God. Okay, so, (laughs) Kelly, we covered um, the French film Diabolique a little while ago. And by a little while, I mean, like, two weeks ago. And there is legit a scene where two women who have just murdered a man have his body in a wicker basket. And they're taking him to the car. And the people, this man's like, oh, my God, let me help you. But then, like, his hair is sticking out of the... the trunk mm. and i was like holy shit bride of chucky homage diabolique which no one would get <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> I mean, no mainstream audience would get because no mainstream audience members no. has seen diabolique <laughs> well although admittedly the remake would have come out two years before this before yeah yep exactly which i yeah exactly but and then when we have warren kincaid's blood seeping out of the little trunk he's in in yeah. the car that's also i mean i'm gonna choose to say an homage to diabolique yeah i, th- I think mm. so because this movie is very much interested in classic hollywood like there are so many references to universal monsters in this as well like mancini is clearly mm-hmm. paying off the past here yep so uh, there's a, a, a cute little scene where Tiffany hits on Jesse because he's actually very kind and he politely turns her down. So she treats she tells him to treat Jade and the girl that he's dating mm-hmm. nicely. And it's, I think, vitally important for the nature of their relationship in the future. But also it f- gives us further insight into 
what Tiffany is looking for in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you can always, sorry, I can always tell when I am just like having so much fun with the movie because my notes comprise less of observations than they do with just flat out quotes that I like. Right. Yes, <laughs> yep. 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 So in this one, it's absolutely the, oh, I'm babysitting, and you hear Chucky like, Tiffany, get the, where the fuck are you? <laughs> Foul mouth, little fucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and here, there's something so delightful about hearing Jennifer Tilly swear with her kind of baby doll voice as mm-hmm. well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I know it's the only voice she has. It's not like an act, but it's delightful. It's special. Yep. And uh, she she has embraced that voice, but that voice is something that it's so, again, distinct. It's so unique. And I I, I love it. I love it oh, so much. <laughs> the idea that somebody can take something that would maybe get them teased or yeah. uh, that they would be embarrassed about and turn it into a fucking signature move for their profession is so impressive to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. This is also where we get the reveal of Jesse's biceps. Uh, yes. I'm saying this he, is a he... thirsty episode. This is a thirsty movie. <laughs> I, you know, I try to figure out where, where this actor went. He hasn't really done. I, I mean, he's done a lot of TV, it looks like. But yeah, yeah his film career didn't really take off, no. which is unfortunate. I mean, he's fine. I definitely remember thinking he was more wooden than he is. I think he and Heikel have a nice chemistry. Mm-hmm. So it, he's not bad. It's just, it's hard to spark when you're against like a giant electrical fire that is Tilly and yes. Brad Dourif. Yeah, yeah, I mean and there's a lot of stuff with them though where it's like, oh wow, y'all really are teenagers. Like specifically like, oh, we're going to run off with a $1000 and I'll be fine. <laughs> oh my god. I, I'll put you through yeah, we'll put you through college. What? Mm-hmm. This is not practical. You could view that as like a really silly contrivance or be like, oh, no, but that's teenagers. Like they think a thousand dollars is a lot of money. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. he's going to put a down payment on something and then he'll get a job. And I thought, you don't even have a job already. Oh, no. They're in high school. It reminded me of The Quiet where she's like, I'm going to extort my dad for money. And it's like a thousand dollars. We're not bringing up The Quiet. Nope. I don't want my baby running around with web feet, daddy. Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, my God. That movie takes up, like, so much real estate in my head rent-free. Yep. See? No. Yep. Th- th- that's why I wanted to cover it, because I was like, look, it's not good, but, like, it's, like, it's so... Oh, my God. Sorry. We're not talking about The Quiet, but yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, go back and listen to our episode on The Quiet. <laughs> okay. So uh, what Tiffany is doing now is she is delivering a bride doll to Chucky because she is a bit of a vengeful bitch. <laughs> I love it. This. Yep. Uh, I, Spicy. Oh, she's beautiful. And this Throws doll rice is in his fucking face. ugly. I oh, love it. Oh, the doll it. is terrifying. <laughs> well, it, look, it has an evil expression from the get-go. It's got pursed <laughs> lips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, do, so I think good. the green eyes add to it, too. Yes. Oof. Yeah. Do the eyes change when, or does Tiffany doll have green eyes, too? I don't think they change immediately. I think they change with the makeover. Oh, okay. 
Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm sorry, listeners, don't yell at me. I, I, I'll go back and look at it. <laughs> also, if you're going to yell at us for one thing, it should not be the eye color of a doll. <laughs> Got my eyes wrong. <laughs> okay, settle down. All right. So she takes a very luxurious looking bubble bath, and she yeah. is watching the news. This is where we are introduced to mm-hmm. Lieutenant Preston, who is played by Lawrence Dane, and he is furiously dodging questions about all of these newly discovered bodies that have been popping up. <laughs> <laughs> and she's not interested in that, so she changes the channel, and we get Bride of Frankenstein. Thank God they could get the rights to this. They originally wanted something else. And they couldn't get the rights to it. And so they just were like, oh, well, I guess Universal owns Bride of Frankenstein. But like, that's what this movie is based on. Why would this Absolutely. not have been your first go-to? It, I wish I could remember what they wanted instead. But yeah, they they, they they wanted something else for this and they couldn't get the rights to it. <laughs> it's, it's very fun. This is the right kind of on the nose for me. Particularly since we get to then watch Chucky break in. I'm sorry. I also think it's, I mean, it's a tiny character thing, but she cries watching mm-hmm. the end of Bride of Frankenstein, which I think is a really nice character touch as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, the addition of Bride of Frankenstein, I think, is absolutely perfect. So who cares? Kind of, yeah, who cares what they originally wanted? This is one of those, like kind of random happenstances, you know, this perfect equation of, of movies. She has literally just stitched together her monstrosity mm-hmm. <laughs> to wed and marry. And yep. this like role reversal of the Bride of Frankenstein, we belong dead, foreshadowing. Also this skylight on the bathroom. Oh like, my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's so this good. This whole thing. <laughs> the bathroom, the bathtub, the everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the yeah. moment where Chucky presses his face against the shower curtain. <laughs> I actually uh-huh. find it very unsettling. Yes. He makes this sound, this ah, <laughs> before he attacks. <laughs> <laughs> so he tries to stab her and she just kicks him in the face. Oh, great shot. Great mm-hmm. shot of him running into her foot. It's fantastic. It's so yep. good. Yeah. And yep. so he retaliates by electrocuting her with said television and then he reanimates her in the bride doll. <sighs> We're also about to get to our biggest plot hole of the franchise. The heart of Dumbala. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that if you listen to the audio commentaries, they're just like, Jesus Christ, this Abe Dube Dumbala bullshit. Like, we have lived with this thing for decades. (laughs) Well, okay, but here's, here's the thing. The chant has always existed. He has never needed an amulet <laughs> to do this. I I think the only way I, I, I maybe it's addressed in later films. I don't think it is, but I, I think, don't think it is. The whole thing with the first two films is like, oh, once he's been in the doll's body for a certain amount of time, he can't get out of the body. Like that's mm-hmm. why in in the second movie he becomes like one with the doll as he's about to do the spell on Andy because mm-hmm. he starts bleeding. And so I guess maybe the thing is, oh, if because, again, they're anatomically correct, they can bleed in this movie. So we're just skipping that step. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe once you reach that point, you need the heart of Dumbala. I'm really not sure. Mm. I'm not sure. And I'm also not sure that I care enough to speculate. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, again, this movie has so much going for it that I don't really give a fuck. I'll, I'll let I'll let Mancini like slide on this one. Mm-hmm. If anyone else wants to send us pictures of their like corkboard with the red string as they've tried to figure <laughs> it out, like have at it for sure. <laughs> or if y'all want to send us a Heart of Dumbala replica, I will also accept that. 
Yes, mm-hmm. I will wear it proudly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, this is basically what sets the film onto a quest narrative. They realize that they have to get the heart of Dombala from Hackensack, New Jersey, where his corpse is, and that will allow them to transfer their bodies. And Tiffany's like, cool, let's just drive. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't figured out that she's a doll yet. Uh, so they decide, okay, we're going to have to use Jesse because he's a gullible twit idiot. And he agrees to do it for, yes, the, the princely sum of $1,000. And mm. then she gives herself a good old-fashioned makeover. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh, my God. Yes, this needle drop <laughs> of Call Me is fantastic. It's so good. <sighs> I yeah. would love to hear people's favorite uh, horror movie makeovers because I always think of the one in Jawbreaker as my favorite, the Fern Mayo mm-hmm. makeover. But yeah. this is pretty fucking good too. So Blondie, so the, the first two CDs, again, this movie has so much nostalgia for me. The first two CDs I ever owned were the best of the Eurythmics, like greatest hits because I loved the song Sweet Dreams. Oh yeah, of course. And I also got the uh, the best of Blondie because I saw nice. the Rugrats movie, which features Angelica <laughs> singing one way or another about her doll. And so I, I heard Call Me on that on that CD. And so when I heard of this movie, I was like, oh, yeah, I've totally jammed to this like my 10 year old self. <laughs> oh, my God. That actually reminds me of uh, this really funny anecdote that Brian usually tells, which is like he has three brothers uh one of whom is a twin and it's like one christmas they all asked for cds because it was cds were the new rage and all of his brothers were like i want mc hammer i want this and i want this and brian was like i want wilson phillips <laughs> and you're just like when when you're asking your parents for like the eurythmics and blonde, well maybe less blondie because she really is punk rock but yeah when you're asking for the eurythmics or wilson phillips it's like gay, gay. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, mommy, I really want Britney Spears for Christmas. So Kelly, you get your living dead girl. I get my call me. There we go. Everybody's got a mic drop in this. Yep. (laughs) I love a good makeover, but I like the makeover from normie, quote unquote, to goth punk rock type thing. Instead of the other way around, let's say in the faculty, which I hate that makeover. The very end. So so bad. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's that movie's big, big misstep. Now, I do have a question. And Kelly, you might be better at answering this than Joe. Can you dye doll hair? Is it real hair? Uh, it's got to be horse hair or whatever. I would think it would depend on the quality of the doll. Yeah. It might just be like you can get really fake shitty hair and then like really good quality hair. I'm sure you mm-hmm. can if it's good quality. So what we're saying is Tiffany got a really good quality doll. You know what, though? It, it looks like an expensive doll, so I'm going to say yeah. yes. It's probably good quality. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she even gives this motherfucker roots. I love it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Again, these little details that maybe it doesn't make sense, but, you know, who's thinking about that? Oh, it's yeah. It's just like sure. a whirlwind of wonderful things. Mm-hmm. The end result is so good. You don't care about anything else. Part of, it's part of the film's charm. Again, yeah, like absolutely. The, but it's because the tone works like if this yeah. was the tone of the original child's play then yeah i would have a bit more qualms with the logistics yeah. of things in this movie absolutely mm. yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> now i'm just picturing andy giving himself a makeover to blondie <laughs> and, actually i mean andy has returned to the franchise but make yes. him gay or or make kyle from the second movie because i mean spoiler alert for the post-credit scene of cult of chucky kyle returns um make her a big old lesbian we, we shall see. Hopefully we're going to mm-hmm. get answers to all of these questions when that motherfucking Chucky series finally debuts, hopefully sometime later this year. 
Hopefully. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. This is going to age nicely. So, <laughs> all right. So Jesse collects the dolls, and this is when he decides, okay, he and Jade should run away together so that they can get married. So they go off to pack, and thank God, John Ritter is here to save this sequence. So he decides yeah. he's going to plant drugs in the van, but he is promptly murdered by the dolls using Tiffany's improvised murder technique, which is an airbag covered in nails. Talking about things that have aged well, Martha Stewart jokes. Love them. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. <laughs> because it yep. pays off later, right? It does. Yep. Ugh, it's so good. Okay, so I can't remember because I also did not listen to our Seed of Chucky episode, but I'm pretty sure Martha Stewart references continue in that film. I think you're right. I mean, I haven't watched it since we covered it two years ago, so I'm just kind of like, well, maybe. But you might be right. Because Tiff but, but but the thing is Tiffany is in love with not in love, but she adores Jennifer Tilly in that movie. So Right. Yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Fuck she's fat. Oh, <laughs> uh, the cruel fat jokes at her own expense in that movie. So good. And mean. <laughs> that's what makes her so again i love when people can make fun of themselves and yeah. she has displayed that perfectly yes yeah okay so uncle warren is now dead and they very quickly clean up this blood they snag the dime bag they dump the body in the trunk and then we are on the road baby also love the sound tiffany makes when they throw the bag on her she goes huh uh. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of good physical comedy with these dolls oh my god and they're so dolls physical. they're fucking dolls i would watch i would say i'd watch an entire movie of them which i essentially just did today yes. <laughs> like it's so good i honestly i've only because i've only seen cult the one time so i kind of want to do a double feature of curse and cult soon mm, i'm trying to remember there i don't think i've seen curse i think i've only seen cult oh, oh. Ooh, curse is real good like, I liked Curse. Yeah. Wait, which Ooh, one yeah. is the one in the institution? Is that Curse? That's Cult. Okay. okay. Curse takes place entirely in one house. Yeah. No, I haven't seen it. Oh my god. Oh Ooh. my god, Joe. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna go watch that, and Kelly's gonna go watch Bound, and we'll meet sure back am. up later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so history is repeating itself because once again, these kids do not get fired because Officer Needle Dick is right there to intercept them. They're forced to pull over at a place I cannot figure out what this location is because I almost want to say that it's like a restaurant where people dine in their cars, like an old. 50s thing well it it looks like a pseudo gas station rest stop yeah. mixed with the court from never being kissed the place where the <laughs> high school kids go to hang yes <laughs> Uh, um, anyway, this place is happening. It's like everyone in town is here. <laughs> and uh, so Jade gets angry at Officer Needle Dick. And then Jesse is like, why don't you go get us <laughs> Needle some snacks? <laughs> well, she's like, I'm going to fucking vaporize you. I'm like, wow, Jade, let's insult a cop in front of a bunch of people. That's yeah. right. I'm sorry, insult. Let's threaten a cop <laughs> in front of a bunch and of hit. people. And assault. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, this is white lady privilege, and mm -hmm. this is, uh, you know, police not doing their jobs and being corrupt and all that kind of stuff. So really, this movie is ahead of its time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so while this is all happening, Chucky is out and about on all fours, setting up a trap to blow up Needle Dick's car, <laughs> which pretty much incites some chaos and 
gets them painted as fugitives. I don't mind this. I think, again, like you, Joe, it's something that bothers me less and less because it's one of those silly conflicts where I'm like, oh, God, now we got to deal with this. But again, mm. it's it's conflict. Like, we need this to provide, like, forward momentum. Yeah. Yeah, because without this, it's just a road trip and the dolls don't have anything to do. So mm-hmm. I think it sets something up nicely. Like, I actually really enjoy the parts where Jade and Jesse don't trust each other because I think it also gives the human actor something to play off of. Right. Instead of like, we're just running away together because we're silly teenagers. Mm -hmm. Because if not, I think you would have had to keep Uncle Warren around longer. Yes. I'm sure some people would say, well, that also would have been a good option because John Ritter is so fucking hilarious in this. I would have preferred that. I gather they didn't have him a ton of time either. Like, Jennifer Tilly was only here for two weeks. I don't know if they had similar issues with getting John Ritter like I know he was supposed to come back for one extra scene that they didn't end up being able to shoot but that was financial Mm. because his body was apparently supposed to get dumped out of the van onto the police car and the car was going to have its tires punctured by the nails in his the nails yes oh my god wow (laughs) that would have been also a really good like head smash like head pulverizing in that that would have been great Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I do, and again, going into the doll effects again, I, I I don't think I'm assuming this is what is a it's a little person that is crawling on the ground to this cop car. I but think in this scene, yeah, I love like the butt shot we're getting of Chucky as he's crawling to this cop car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dolls could apparently do a lot of stuff, but yeah, in this particular scene, you're like, oh, Chucky looks a little human size in this sequence yeah and so because i know how joe feels about this kelly i don't know how you feel about it but um explosions like someone dying by explosion in a slasher film which to me is the equivalent of gunshot death but because this isn't a quote-unquote typical slasher film it doesn't bother me oh it doesn't bother me i'm not that strict about slashers and everything has to be just so in 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 a slasher um no that's fine i like a good explosion come on it's Mm -hmm. (laughs) action-packed i think because again slashers oh like the kills or not that you have to get stabbed in a slasher film but like it has to be something that's a bit more creative and fun like the john ritter death which is creative and fun but then we Mm -hmm. get like what is by comparison a slightly less creative and less fun (laughs) car explosion Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i would say this is a bit of a hallmark of this franchise as well like i'm remembering back in the first film there is a sequence where oh, Chucky yeah. takes andy to that drug dealer's apartment or mm-hmm. his old accomplice and he blows it up so yep. i yep. guess though because like he, he is a like this this is a slasher franchise but it's not really the slasher formula no. right no, no absolutely not yep so that, yeah, yeah that, that makes sense yeah basically what we're saying is don mancini explodes the slasher trope <laughs> <laughs> i also get like Almost the that Bride of Chucky is more in the fantastical realm. I just kind of get with that with the visuals and, and the music and the colors and everything. I think of it less of like your classic slasher for sure. Mm-hmm. Particularly when we get to that final conflict in the cemetery where you're just mm-hmm. like, this movie is doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. it's 88 minutes long. Like, I, I, A, I forgot that it takes a full 30 minutes for Tiffany to get into the body of this doll because I remember the doll stuff being mm-hmm. a lot longer. Yeah. It, but but again, this isn't a knock. Like, I think this is all paced very, very, very well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it feels like we've barely begun and already we've offed a whole bunch of people at this point, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so the kids are on the road, and they get a call from David that says, oh, by the way, you're wanted for all of the murders now, and also your (laughs) uncle is missing. So they start to question whether or not they can trust each other, so they decide that they're going to stop over for a bit of a a respite, where they're going to take a breather, and they decide to go to Niagara Falls, where they get awkwardly married at the wedding chapel at the Honeymoon Suites. (laughs) Oh, boy. But... It's paired with this amazing, again, re-kill of John Ritter. (laughs) And this is where the cross-editing works, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I like it because we're seeing this marriage between kids that we were supposed to root for, and it's very not romantic. Like, they don't trust each other at all. They don't even want to kiss when they get pronounced man and wife. And out in the van... Tiffany and Chucky are like having this amazing reconnection and it seems like they're totally going to make it. You're like, oh, wait, the real romance is happening in this van between these dolls. <laughs> and, then we get the, and then we get Warren getting re-killed. There's also this thing with Chucky where um, when he's like running towards something, like he's like gliding, mm-hmm. which I really like. It's I know it's just because we have to like get this doll moving. We can't like show him taking steps, but like it's a very ethereal, like creepy look for me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something about doll horror in general, right? Like, because you mm-hmm. need puppeteers, you need people to move it. So it's it's either a puppeteer or an animatronic, sometimes both in the case of Chucky. But it automatically creates something weird in your mind because you're like, no, that's not natural. Oh, God, it doesn't look weird or it doesn't look right, rather. Absolutely. Bringing it into that uncanny valley. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Okay, so let's get to the honeymoon sequence. The kids are all set up and then they immediately get grifted by Russ and Diane, who are played by James Gallanders and Janet Kidder, aka Margot Kidder's niece. Oh, that horny, horny couple. Oh my goodness. They, th- <laughs> hey, this is this is a couple where, honestly, when they walk in, I, you're kind of like, what are these characters doing in this movie? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so yes, out of yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it really, it really is bizarre. And it's also, like, again, teenage stuff where it's like, in the wedding chapel in this room, like, Jade does not look like she wants to be married. And no. it is the funniest no. fucking thing to watch this poor girl be like, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. It, it's 20 <laughs> minutes later and I already regret my choice. <laughs> <laughs> so your fun fact about Russ and Diane is that they were just going to be a newlywed couple and then they had to become criminals so that we could get the guns to Tiffany and Chucky for later sequences. Okay, see, that's like screenwriting, like, stories that I like, right? Where it's like, okay, I know this is Point B, how do I have my point A get there? Mm-hmm. Which is, a, it's like re- that reverse writing, which I, I just, I, I'm always fascinated by the screenwriting process. Well, and particularly when it's driven by financials, like, nope, we don't have enough money for those characters, or, oh, we lost days, so now we need to cut it up. And it's like, I think here, I don't think that Don Mancini feels great about it. Like, I don't think he thinks this sequence entirely works as a result, but I actually think there's something amusing about this couple and the way that they react but also you're like oh they're they're a bit evil see i kind of like it though because a they're injecting energy into a room that jade and jesse are sucking the energy out of (laughs) and again i say i i like these these characters fine it's just again compared to everything else they are so flat where everything else is so cartoonish right and i love again i love that jennifer tilly like that thieving slut (laughs) (laughs) yep Yep. <laughs> what is it? Hi, I'm Chucky, and I wouldn't talk if I were you. Hi, ho. 
I really feel like Chucky gets a personality in this film. Like he has some one-liners and whatever in films one, two, three, but no, this is where I feel like Brad Dourif is like, I'm having fun. This is it. Well, one thing he points out in that commentary is that this was the first movie where he got to like talk, be to talk because in in the first three movies, he's just screaming a lot. He's angry all the time. So he would walk out of the recording studio hoarse all the time. This is the first time he hasn't had to do that. And he like, yeah, he like, he's basically more of a character here. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm not, not like uh, insulting the first three movies. Like he is obviously a character, but he gets more layers here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he gets to have fun with it. And I think that's why, because yeah. Brad Dorf has been on record saying that this is his favorite entry in the franchise. Now, I don't know when <laughs> he said that. So it could have been like after Seed, before Curse. I don't know. <laughs> but at least that's what I have is that he loves this one. Makes sense. Blast. It's a bl- I'm sure it was a blast to, to create. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so because Russ and Diane have pissed off Tiffany, this is where we get, for me, <laughs> the most iconic kill of this Ugh, film. So oh, weird. yeah. So Tiffany sneaks into the room after they have had sex and she throws a bottle of champagne into the mirrored ceiling, which then shatters. It punctures both the couple as well as the waterbed in what is described as an orgasm of blood on the audio commentary. And because of this bloodshed, this is when Chucky proposes. So we get our first dull sex scene. And and this, I mean, there has to be a gif of this waterbed exploding because it's, mm. so it's not just the look of the explosion, but yeah, it's like half of the water is clear water and the other half is clearly blood. blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just, in it's slow motion, it looks yeah. so amazing. The CGI so with the throwing bottle in the mirror hasn't aged super well, but a lot of the CGI in this movie is done very fast. So it's not like yes. you're not stuck, stuck there going like, cause even when the spider falls on Damien's yep. head in the beginning, yep. like that's also CGI. And yeah, so they're quick. I think you knew that. He was like, this looks like shit. We need to cut it fast. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also mixed with practical. Like a lot of the shards that are falling are actual shards. And then Mm -hmm. you go back and you're like, oh, okay, now it's a bit of CGI. So it's... Mm-hmm. It, it's still noticeable but it's not so egregious that you're just like no there's nothing believable my eyes can tell the difference yeah. I love because you have shards coming down and like water going up so it's just playing with your eyes a little bit and it's mm-hmm. just like this brilliant brilliant shot it's my second favorite waterbed blood geyser in horror history <laughs> also interesting again breaking from slasher conventions like this is the beginning of a sex scene but there is I mean well sorry we do get a sex scene like just right now with the dolls but it's mm-hmm. tasteful done with a silhouette these are these aren't sex filled movies like we don't get tits everywhere although we do get tits in the beginning of seed which is weird but i i think it's just that's why you have this queer man that's like yeah let's um maybe not have a bunch of straight people having sex in this movie yeah (laughs) and yet i will say there the series particularly from this point on will be very sex obsessed Mm-hmm. We're yeah. not seeing it, but we are talking about it an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chucky's a little perv. He really is. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So I do appreciate that we get the rubber joke here because it's good <laughs> for a laugh. But again, much like yep. the domestic stuff that we saw back in the RV, this will pay off as well as like the small dick, big dick kind of debate. Like okay. it's all foreshadowing stuff that happens mm-hmm. later. It's very smart. If there's one thing that I don't like about this sex scene, and it is through no fault of the movie's own, basically, if you bring up Bride of Chucky to someone who is not, let's say, a really into horror, mm-hmm. but they've seen this movie, it is, oh, that's the one where the dolls fuck, isn't it? Yeah. Like, this movie has been known by quote-unquote regular folk as 
the one where the dolls fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and I almost hate that for it, because it's so much more... Like, I, I actually think the doll fucking scene is funny as hell, but I hate that that's, like, the, 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 the main... <laughs> signifier of this movie i know and i i agree that that's really sad and i not that i forget but for me that is not even the biggest weirdest one most wonderful thing that happens i but for me i'm just like all about jennifer tilly and just that that dynamic between the two and and the kills and stuff but yeah i like the scene too tastefully done and hilarious (laughs) oh for sure. I mean, the silhouette I, I'm betting is because it was like, well, if you actually see these dolls going at it, it's not going to look it's very weird. good. So the yeah. silhouette works for creative <laughs> and practical reasons. Yeah. I think it also had something to do with Jennifer Tilly and Brad Dourif actually forcing this scene to happen. It wasn't in the script. It was because they wanted to make sex noises. <laughs> so I think they then had to find a way to shoot it. <laughs> After the fact. That's great. I mean, Chucky's <laughs> not really, he's not, they're not very mobile. So he's just yeah. kind of like dog humping her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So seeing it wouldn't be, well, it's kind of a heterosexual sexes anyways, but. Um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do go for missionary. They don't do anything creative. This is true. No, and really, no. folks, if you want that, you've got Team America six years later. <laughs> very true. Puppets are probably easier to, to move than dolls. Oh, 100%. Ooh, marionettes. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> but I find this movie very, it's very sexy. It's very sensual. It's not super sexual, which is very different. I really appreciate that a lot. And maybe that's because of, uh, Don Mancini. It's just a lot of sensuality mm. instead of sexuality. Uh, that's an interesting observation. Yeah. Okay, so definitely not sexual or having any fun at all is Jade and Jesse. So <laughs> Mancini liked to make the observation that it's like the people that should be having sex because it's their honeymoon are asleep and not trusting each other. And then the dolls are the ones who are like really having the down and dirty action. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jade and Jesse, they both end up calling David for emotional support. So our queer character re-enters the film. And it's basically to reassure them that they're both acting irrationally. We also have a brief Kathy and Jimmy cameo as the housekeeper who discovers the bodies. That's why I pointed out the producer, David Kirshner, also did Hocus Pocus. Because I think he got her to come up here to do this. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's like a, if you didn't know who she was, you would just think this was a day player. Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, I, I did know who she was because obviously as a child, I had seen Hocus Pocus a lot, mm-hmm. but I just don't think I recognized it was her because, oh, sorry, I'd also seen Sister Act 1 and 2 a lot, but I just didn't think that Kathy and Jimmy would be in the movie for like, what, 20 yeah. seconds? Yeah. So nothing <laughs> right. roll, nothing happens except for the fact that her screams alert Jade and Jesse that they need to get back on the road. That's it. They run in that room immediately, which is hilarious. It's like, oh my God, we all like waiting with glass on the doors, like just listening for the scream. Well, they're clearly not, you know, having a conversation or having sex. So yeah, they were probably just like, well, something's got to happen. So yeah, so they decide that they need to get to Hackensack in a hurry. So uh, thankfully, David shows up at this moment and he hitches a ride with them to which I'm like, does he just leave his car? How did he get right (laughs) yeah well also how far away are they from home so like how did he knew where they were but it's like oh like you're lucky you caught them in the car before they left (laughs) 
Exactly. Clearly, they didn't make very good ground the previous day because he can catch up to them very easily. <laughs> so uh, things are going swimmingly. They actually start to feel very good about the state of their relationship until David discovers Warren's body in the trunk. <laughs> I okay. This this delivery of poo. Something really stinks in here. <laughs> <laughs> I love the word poo. I think it's a funny, funny word. <laughs> I do not like the word poo. It is gross. <laughs> like when people say, oh, I don't mean to poo-poo on that. Like, I don't yeah. like saying poo-poo on something. Look, I'm just saying Missy's the poo, so take a big whiff is a line that gets me to laugh every that. time. I hate that. I think it's hysterical. <laughs> and also, every reference that we have mentioned in this episode is the gayest possible. Like, <laughs> I used to watch Hocus Pocus all the time. I used to watch. You're bringing in, bring it on. We've got Bound. We've yep. got Jawbreaker. Like, kid and caboodle here. It is good times over him. So, obviously, David now thinks that they are both lying to him and that they are murderers. So, he gets the gun out of the trunk. He orders them to pull over. This is when the dolls decide that they should reveal themselves so that he doesn't mm. disrupt their plans. And when he sees them, David is so shocked that he steps into traffic and he is promptly exploded by a truck. <laughs> Oof. This is I I do like this death. This oh, is this, this death is one is of those great yes. and it is mean. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those like oh 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 because yeah. it's not just like oh he goes over the hood and they crack the windshield. This is like final destination body parts everywhere. Yeah, mm. and the details. So when you see a little bit later shot of the big truck kind of skidding over to the side. The amount of blood mm -hmm. that is smeared all over the road is impressive. Yes. Apparently, David was like 90 pounds soaking wet, but also like 15 gallons of blood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the grill of this 18-wheeler is like caked Ugh. in gore. Yes, it is quite impressive. David mm. was just 100% blood. There was nothing else in that body. Yeah, no. He is mm. smushed. <laughs> uh, so obviously this means that they need to get back on the road so the two dolls confess who they are they make sure that everybody knows that they are tiffany and chucky and then they decide that they're going to swap the van for a less conspicuous rv thereby mm. murdering the old elderly people who were driving it okay mm. i i mean i was gonna say, i hate that we like get this kill off screen but i love the reveal yeah the reveal is really good <laughs> oh yeah tiffany's like oh Sorry, excuse, excuse me. me. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> and she's in full Martha Stewart mode, right? Yep. Like she's so domestic. She's putting on makeup and she's preparing meatballs and cookies. Swedish meatballs. Of course. Yes. Then we get the explanation here, which I love. Again, I love the, the sequels line. I also was like, do you, you know who I am, right? Yeah, you're Chucky. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, <laughs> Duh. Yeah, I mean, because not all the good guy dolls were called Chucky, but I guess yeah. the Andy stuff was like, mm -hmm. like nationwide news. Yeah. Well, hello, that dead body was on the front cover of that newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wait, wait, wait. So, because okay, the because the originals in Chicago, for some reason, Charles Lee Ray was buried in Hackensack, New Jersey. Which, okay, whatever. Uh, maybe it was in his will. I was gonna say but, it's like his mom wanted him close to home or something. Yeah, probably. Where are they? Like when this movie starts, where is Tiffany's trailer? Like where is it's, all this? Do we know? No, it's not no. defined. Okay, well we'll say it's between Chicago and Hackensack, New Jersey. 
Sounds like a plan. Doesn't matter. I'm just going through my brain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so in this RV, this is where the teens actually start to get a little bit of agency. So they realize that they can activate the animosity that <laughs> might be or the, the stewing resentment between mm -hmm. the two dolls. So they use that. And then in a moment of distraction, that's when Jade kicks Tiffany into the stove and Jesse smacks Chucky out the window. There's a big shootout and a big scuffle. Yes, I love this scene. It's so good. I watched this movie today. And it's like, this was also a f fucking really well done scene because he mm -hmm. kicks Chucky out, but also he knows he's going to shoot him. So he also dives down at the same mm -hmm. time. Everything happens so smoothly and quickly. It's so good. So wonderful. It's edited really well. This yes. is also, and maybe I'm wrong. So my, my husband and his brothers have this like running gag between them because they love the Chucky angry face, which is All when right. he's in the, in the first three <laughs> films, he has like the signature face when he's yeah. running at something and he's like, Rawr! Yep. and I don't think we see it in this film until he gets knocked out the window. Right. And when it's the slow-mo mm. shot of him flying out the window, mm -hmm. the, that's the face he has. And so it's like, woohoo, angry Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> it finally showed up, yeah. I love the kick into the stove because she's basically undone by her own domesticity. Like the Ooh. weapon of her partial demise is yep. the, the oven. ultimate sign yep. of <laughs> like a Susie homemaker. <sighs> you also got to love the fuck Martha Stewart line. I mean, this is pre-prison yeah. Martha Stewart. So. Yes. She, she is like an icon of goodness <laughs> and yeah. they're basically trash talking her. It's so gay to put her in this slasher movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, it doesn't quite work out for Jay and Jesse. They still crash the RV in all of this. And Tiffany does end up breaking out, although she is now kind of a, a smoking. She looks like the end of Heather's to me. Like, Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. she, uh, no, she doesn't look like, she looks like the end of Heather. She doesn't look like Winona Ryder, the end of Heather's. Just the whole end. When they blow up the whole school, that's the what The ass end like. of Heather's. <laughs> she looks like Veronica with a little bit of soot on her face. Okay, fuck oh my you. God. <laughs> um, we also get this very fun action movie shot where Jesse barely gets out of the exploding RV. Explosions aren't cheap. I mm -hmm. don't know how many chances they had to do this, but it's, uh, uh yeah, it looks good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I am concerned about him grabbing live wires, but you know what? It's I in the do moment. do not endorse, no. <laughs> Kids, don't do this at home. <laughs> let, let your fiance, I'm sorry, let your wife die. Yeah. I mean, really, she's not that great. You're gonna... <laughs> These kids are getting married way too young. He's going to meet somebody else with those abs and that shoulder. That oh shoulder. You only got one. Yeah. But gonna no, they have a the $1,000. They're set for life. It's true. Ladies, get you a man who's got a $1,000 and then hold on to him. <laughs> 2000 if you adjust for inflation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is where we, we get a kind of date haunt where Chucky has ordered Jade to take him to the graveyard so that she can open up the coffin and get him the amulet. And, uh, of course, Jesse has <laughs> Tiffany by the hair as she goes, ow, ow, ow. I do love that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> It's just, I mean, again, I, I even wonder, like, because I, I, I don't know if they recorded the audio before or after. I guess it would have been after they shot the film, right? So they can see what they're doing. Yeah, she wasn't allowed to do a ton of ad-libbing as a result. Yeah, I do I do love, oh, I love that. They're, the sounds that come out of Jennifer Tilly's mouth is just, <laughs> they're so good. <laughs> yeah, it's not just her voice, it's the sound. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay so now that chucky has the amulet the two men exchange their prisoners and it's it's a very 
over-the-top melodramatic sequence, but it's mm-hmm. also a great moment for Tiffany where she gets to say something personal to Jesse and Jade about, like, relationships. And- mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that's what's important here, because Chucky is a villain in this movie. Yes. Tiffany is an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's partly due to Mancini's writing and partly due to Tilly's voice work, but, like, I feel so much for Tiffany. Like when oh, yeah. when when Chucky kills her, I'm like legitimately upset by that. Yes, and it feels like yeah. a betrayal of everything that they've gone through. Like he's just done it to her again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's basically where we're at where I mean Chucky also betrays Jesse by stabbing him in the back, which I think is a dumb move if you want to take over that body, but mm. So it's all it mm. is dumb, but it's also like Chucky throws that knife and there's a full like three seconds of airtime. So he instead of like spinning around, he could have just like pushed Jay out of the way and ducked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or spun her so that it went into her and just save yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> I do I do sorry, this is back a little bit, but I do love the reveal of her opening up the coffin. <laughs> And there's like mouth, rats cr- crawling out of his corpse's yeah. mouth, and he's like, "Ugh, <laughs> didn't he's need to see like, that." Yeah, <laughs> broke yeah. my neck, yeah. you yeah. bitch. And then he gets that uh, again, the, uh, another exclamation of disgust when Tiffany. He's just like, "Catch me, Chucky!" Ugh. <laughs> that to me is the cruelest, right there. That's it's so just bad. Like, no, this is not a good dude. So terrible. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's so a, bad for her. He's an impulsive, probably narcissistic psychopath. So his actions by the end, you know, is not surprising, but it's still devastating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah. nabbed the ring off Vivian Van Pelt. Vivian Van Pelt. <laughs> Again, with the names. <laughs> <laughs> so our, our climax is basically these two dolls going at it. And it should be noted that this is all happening in the middle of the storm because he has begun the incantation ritual thing. So we've got like these dark storm clouds and it's very much similar to Ronnie Yu's big film as well as the finale of like Bride of Frankenstein. So it's like mm-hmm. the, the East versus West well, meets. I also, yeah. and again, maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember if the other films do this, but the way that they get around like the mobile dolls is doing overhead shots. Yes. So when they're doing yep. the shovel fight, which is awesome, mm-hmm. it's it's clearly, again, two people, but because it's overhead, you can't see how tall they are. Yeah. yeah. I actually think this all looks really good too. Like mm-hmm. you, again, no, it's definitely people puppeteering these dolls, but it it's so convincing. Absolutely. So it, ends with chucky ultimately winning so he kills tiffany and then he gets smacked into the open grave and then shot a couple of times by jade because of course lieutenant peterson has conveniently shown up just in time to do jack fucking shit (laughs) um okay explain this to me so he sends them away and I guess he's going to somehow find a way to clear their name from all this. Oh, but did you hear, Trace? He just says, yeah, they didn't do it. <laughs> okay, but here, but I, I said, gave yeah. him his word. <laughs> Jesse and Jade, hell, <laughs> they didn't do it. But okay, but like they would still have to be brought in for questioning. A hundred percent. You can't just like, let just them go, go home, relax. We'll talk to you later. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I say this is very similar to urban legend where it's like, oh, we were at a murder scene and we did a bunch of shit, but we're just going to get in the car and drive away. You're like, I don't yeah. think crime scenes work this way. <laughs> yeah. I want to bring us back a little bit when Tiffany is still... Alive, <laughs> and when she says to Chucky, "We belong dead," because that kind of brings everything full circle. The yes. Bride of Frankenstein references. And it's a good callback. It's call so back. good. 
It is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Again, very smart writing for this movie. I agree. I think some people will look at that and be like, "Ugh, yeah, of course you're gonna ape this like classic monster film." But I'm like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Like, <laughs> let them have it. <laughs> and also, yeah. it's literally called Bride of Chucky. Like, fuck mm-hmm. you if yes. you didn't see it coming. Yes. Sorry, it delivered on your expectations. Yeah. I didn't realize this, but did y'all read that apparently the poster for this movie was a parody of Scream 2's poster? I never got it until you look at it and you're like, oh, yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, Me it too. Is. It's the exact same thing. You're just missing the floating heads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in the artwork, we knew it was going to be meta and self-referential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, but Chucky gets lucky, right? That's the tagline you said? It is yep. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we do have one final scene, and this will mm. set up our sequel, Six Years in the Making. So Preston observes that Tiffany seems to be moving, and then she unexpectedly sits up, screams, gives birth, and the newborn attacks his face. I love this ending. I remember being like, what the fuck is this? And then Mm -hmm. thinking, okay, well, we're going to get a sequel in a year or two that will explain everything. Yeah. Six fucking years later. (laughs) No, I I, I, I mean, again, like uh, this would show on TV so many times. And I swear to God, it was one of those where every time I came across it, I just, I would, I would just stop it and stop what I was doing and watch it. And yeah, I remember all the time, like, oh my God, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? And so when Seed of Chucky came out, I was so excited for it. And Mm -hmm. as I mentioned in that episode, I was a bit underwhelmed. (laughs) It's just not giving you what you expect. No. And I've since grown to appreciate Seed of Chucky. But at the time, I was very much like, oh. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like another Bride of Chucky, right? Because this movie does have such a great balance between humor and horror and it the jokes work because they're just sly enough like it's not full parody this Mm -hmm. is like gentle homage i find well Mm -hmm. and so that's the thing so you know you have horror comedy with this one full-on comedy with seed Mm -hmm. curse of chucky the tone of that the closest example is the first child's play Mm -hmm. yeah like it feels very much like that yeah yeah it's more horror it's like the horror movie feel Mm -hmm. and minimal it's very minimalistic yeah yeah, yeah. Well, because again, by that point, these aren't going theatrical anymore, so he has no money to work with. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got a cottage for the weekend. Let's make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say that I, I love when a horror movie ends with a birth, with a birth, sorry, of an abomination. So I'm sure. here for it. <laughs> what, what, what are your go-to abomination ending birthing movies? Oh, God. <laughs> On the spot after two hours of recording. <laughs> Let's just do one now. We'll just two more hours. We're good. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, yeah, you put me on the spot now. I don't remember any of them. It's okay. It's okay. a little bit like it's alive to me. I don't know if that's actually an accurate comparison, but just even the look of the creature looks. Oh, yes. He was born in the beginning of the movie, but uh, yes, he does have that kind of vibe with the big eyes and the little the little sharp, jaggedy like, teeth jaggedy teeth yes <laughs> does the fly end with the birthing saying, of the larva or is that in the middle of the movie or is that her nightmare yeah i think it's just her nightmare it is a nightmare but i can't remember if that's like the cliffhanger ending and then she like wakes up and roll credits so yeah y'all thoughts on bride of chucky final thoughts I love this movie. It is my favorite, like I said, in the franchise for many reasons that we talked about throughout this this episode. But 
I love how self-aware it is. And I think, I feel like that kind of grew on me as, as watches and time went on. You know, I got smarter, I guess, in my many years of life. But I love it. It's super fun. Like like Joe says, it, it blends the horror and the comedy and for me, maybe a little bit of fantasy. It's, oh, and it's also got that, like late 90s early aughts like blue hue throughout the entire fucking thing as a lot of those movies did and i love it with the soundtrack it's just such brilliant brilliant writing for this movie and i i love it so much so i don't really know if there's really much else for me to say about it but it's so good jennifer tilly call me uh, yeah Fuck, <laughs> jennifer together. tilly call me call me <laughs> call me call me joe yeah, I mean, all of that, and honestly, just a big shout out to Don Mancini. I I don't think he gets the credit that he deserves for shepherding this franchise. It's the only horror franchise that has the same creator slash writer working on it throughout. And I mm-hmm. think this is really him coming into his apex of what what the possibilities for this IP could be. Like, he wore himself to the bone on the first three and then came back energized and decided, you know what? The future of Chucky is really fucking queer. And I just love that. I think that having a horror franchise with the same continuity for Mm -hmm. 30 plus years is wonderful. Uh, Mancini has written every single one of these entries uh, Mm -hmm. by himself with the exception of the first one when he had two co-writers on it. Right. And he's directed Seed, Curse, and Cult. So... Yeah, yeah. I, I think the importance of that can't be understated enough. So I'll co-sign on, I co-sign on everything y'all said. And this is my favorite film. I, it, it was a risk to do a yes. horror comedy. Oh, yeah. But I think, I mean, here's the thing with that too. And not to start a conversation, I'm just going to say this out front. But like, <laughs> people that I don't want to dis- hear your thoughts on it. I'm just going to speak. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, I, yeah, I know we're going long, but like... The, People that get upset by how like the the, the tonal shift this movie takes, right. it's yeah. it's frustrating to me because culturally Chucky by that point was kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. Like people, yeah. like he wasn't scary anymore, and people were again he he wasn't a laughing stock. We hadn't reached that point yet, but he wasn't like people didn't think he was scary anymore unless you were a kid watching right. it. And this yeah. was a dormant franchise. Like this franchise was not on the top of people's minds, so. You know, they they had good memories of it, but it wasn't like, oh, this new film is coming out every other year and this one disappoints. It's like, Chucky was fucking dead. This is his rebirth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, I was wrong. The gap between Seed and Curse was nine years. There we go. Yeah, that's so. Wow. The numbers between these films is astronomical. Like, wow. Yep. I feel like I've aged like a hundred years just thinking about all these time I, I mean, gaps. I do. I, I feel like I'm like, I feel like John Mancini spent so much of his life trying to get these movies made. I don't yeah. know if he gets pushback from a money standpoint, but it's like, I applaud him for keep doing it. I, I mean, would I like to see him do something else to see what else he can do? Absolutely. But I'm also 100% fine if he just keeps giving us more child's play content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially if they have this kind of distinctive voice. Like, not yes. every one of these works to the same degree, but I love that he is willing to try different things. To yeah. Like, casting even Jennifer Tilly in this role is a big swing. And I love that he went with it. I love that he went with an inexperienced foreign director who's got a fucking great visual eye. Like, mm-hmm. you don't see this in fourth entries in film franchises. It's a very experimental franchise. And yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. always work. Most of the time for me, it does. And this, for me, is the most successful the franchise has been. There we go. 
I hear that. I echo that. <laughs> <laughs> so um before we announce that we're covering next week kelly let every well first of all thank you for coming on to talk about this yes jennifer tilly worship for days oh my god <laughs> uh, um thank you for having me i've been looking forward to this for for a long time and i'm so glad that you thought of me as a guest for your wildly successful and amazing podcast oh. that i listen to all the time i'm blushing uh, wait are you talking about a different podcast we have <laughs> <laughs> so i'm really really excited to be here and thank you so much well as are we excited to have you so let everyone know where they can find you on social media and plug anything you'd like this is your time Okay, well, mainly I'll just plug my main project, which is Spinsters of Horror. So yes. my co-host and I, uh, we write for our website. We write for other places as well. But spinstersofhorror.com is our website. You can get access to our podcast. I spin on your podcast from there, or it's on any podcasting app. Uh, Spinsters of Horror on Twitter is at Horror Spinsters. We're everywhere else, but mainly, you know, you can find us on Twitter and our website. And please check out our podcast. We release episodes monthly. All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Horror Queers. Join our Facebook Horror Queers group to hang out with other listeners. And also find us on Letterboxd to keep track of all the films we have covered. Uh, if you have a moment, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. And if you want even more Horror Queers, please support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash horrorqueers. The day this episode drops is actually the last day of our Hillbilly Horror Month, so be sure to check out our episodes on the remakes of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Hills Have Eyes, and Wrong Term. For April, get ready to test your might, as we are going to be covering both the new Mortal Kombat movie as well as the original 1995 Mortal oh Kombat God. movie. Yeah. Yes, I'm oh my so God. excited. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so definitely go sign up for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. We'll also be doing um, a kind of a recap of South by Southwest to discuss the films we saw, what's worth seeing, what is not worth seeing, and what's merely okay. <laughs> Joe, yes. what are we talking about next week? Well, Trace, I'm getting... I'm getting the itch to travel, and not just travel across the pond, but time travel. So I think that we should check in with a little gothic horror and check out the innocents. Oh my god, yes. So this will be a first time watch for me, but in, everyone, in case you don't know, this is an adaptation of The Turning of the Screw. Mm -hmm. So if you've seen The Haunting of Bly Manor, or The Turning, the turning. <laughs> for that matter... <laughs> Check this out because this is this is supposedly like again the apex adaptation of this novel. Yes, so. I'm so excited. I've never seen it either, so this is going to be first time watches for both of us. Yes, but until then, we can cross out finally Bride of Chucky. Yes, and cross out horror queers. <laughs> You've made it to the end of another bloody disgusting podcast. Congratulations. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, Nightmare on Film Street, and more. <laughs>